this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. wine already uh almost it's it's prepped prepped <laughs> i opted for uh some almond milk and some uh what is this lion's mane have you ever had this stuff lion's mane no what's it's, lion's mane there's this there's this company called four sigmatic they make these drinks made out of mushrooms that are supposed to be good for you so lion's like, mane mushroom supposed to be good for your brain so I oh, maybe, awesome maybe a little brain juice before the conversation yeah I always want brain juice. That sounds awesome. I should see if I can get that over here. Yeah, if they can make brain juice. I think uh, pretty much my whole country needs it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think mine does as well. If we look at the uh, current state of affairs, there we go. Yeah, that's that's what we were we were texting about that. Brexit, Brexit, all over the place. Nobody over here even knows what the hell it is. No. It's uh <laughs> It's a shit show. <laughs> uh, best keep your head down and keep out of it, to be honest. It's an absolute shit show. Yeah, I mean, it's like literally over here, we get, oh, Brexit this, Brexit that. But it's kind of like, it's happening. It's not happening. It's happening. It's not happening. But we don't even know what the hell it is. And that's all we hear. <laughs> like, what's it, going on? <laughs> what's going on over well, here? Apparently just that. <laughs> yeah, it's It's just, I mean... To be quite frank, we don't even know what's going on. And no one can agree on anything. And uh, it's just a total shit show. But it's going to be going down in a couple of days. Uh, April oh. the 12th, I believe. Yep, yep. So basically nothing's been agreed, but uh, which is really going to leave things in quite a bad position. But it's just going to happen, even though no one's very happy about it. So it's going to be chaos. The power of the vote, I guess, right? Well, you guys voted on it like twice or something, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so there was there was a vote back in kind of in 2016, and then there's been various other things that you know kind of votes about it, but uh, you know to do with MPs and stuff like that. But it's uh, it was kind of it was quite small. It was like kind of 48 to 52, I think, was the the first oh, one. You know, 48 percent, 52 percent, which is which is you know a fairly small. But then you know, as with anything political. 
everyone says, you know, oh, well, this, you know, our party says it's going to be this and our party says it's going to be that. And then they get into it and they change their mind and things don't go according to plan uh, or what they said that they were going to do. Um, But I mean, right now we can't even get our MPs to agree and then we've got to agree with Europe. And so basically now it looks like we're going to be leaving without an agreement, which would mean that the UK will have like all of a sudden half of our laws just won't exist overnight. Holy shit. (laughs) And we don't have any trade agreements about like how we're going to get food (laughs) imported. Oh, that's not good for an island. You can't grow all the... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Particularly one with the climate that we have where, you know, like 80 or 90% of our lettuce comes from Europe. Uh, It's not going very well. And it looks like it's going to, um, yeah, be causing havoc for a while. And since like most of the people listening to this are probably Americans that don't know anything about England or Britain, if um, what's an MP? That, that's a member of Parliament. I think the the I think if, a bit like a governor, I guess, or like Congress, maybe. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like a congressman or a governor is is kind of probably your closest legislators, basically. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you have them, you know, you have them for your area, basically. So be good. So shall we shall we start off by chatting about how we know each other? How you know? And by the way, I'm Kat, and I live in London. Um, and it is currently kind of just after eight o'clock at night. So therefore, I'm going to have a glass of wine, and you are having My, a coffee. No, the almond. <laughs> I would assume the almond milk. Oh, you having uh, your almond? Yes, that's the, right with the mushroom. Yeah, the pretending amazing. to be healthy thing. Yeah, good. <laughs> Yeah, we 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 met. You were an American when you when we met. Yes. <laughs> I Which still just am. Confused everyone. Am. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's going to be very interesting to hear my accent throughout this because I've now been in the UK for it's about fourteen years now, and um, I know I know that long, right? Um, and my accent, I go, I do quote go quite English because I've been over here for so long. But then as soon as I speak to an American, I do go more American. So through the course of this podcast, it should be very interesting, particularly you, because you're such an old, you know, like a long-term friend. (laughs) I'm going to... It just brings me back to being in the States and us hanging out at the coffee shop and all that kind of stuff. Back when you were just a baby. (laughs) Oh, stop it. (laughs) Um, I can't believe I 14 years. My God. I know. I feel ancient. No, I do as well. When I realize how long I've been over here, I was just like, crikey. Um, oh, and I, yeah, and apparently now I use words like crikey as well. Um, <laughs> Got me with liquid in my which mouth. Is, <laughs> <laughs> which is fun in games. Um, I'm sure that I'll bust out a few uh, in, in the course of our chat. So that'll be fun. <laughs> that had to be a trip though, like uh, adjusting to... I mean, granted, if you're going to take two cultures... Um, American and English culture, pretty close comparatively to the rest of the world, but still a lot yeah. of culture shock, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah, no, 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 for sure. I mean, yeah, and luckily, you know, language the same, which is great. And because both my parents are English, like I'd spend, um, you know, kind of a fair amount of time hanging out in the UK and speaking to English people. But yeah, the culture is is quite different in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and, and weird little things, you know, down to the way that you speak about success. You know, the dating world, when I first got here, did not understand it at all. And that was... <laughs> and dating is one of those things that you don't... You know, the, you know, the unspoken rules of dating? No one talks about them. You just kind of know them. 
you know, because mm. culturally you've grown up with them, stuff like that. So, you know, I had some guy texting me and he was putting X's on the end of the text message. And I was just like, well, first of all, texting wasn't really a thing back in the States when I left. <laughs> and then I'm suddenly, I'm texting and I'm like, okay, this is how we communicate. Cool. All right. And then he's putting X's on the end. I was like, what does this mean? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, those were kisses. Oh, he likes me. Okay, cool. Okay, awesome. And then they don't really date over here. Like you would kind of go on, like you go for a drink with someone, but it gets exclusive pretty quick mm. and you wouldn't it would be like if you were you know if you went out for a drink with like th- three or four different people you know in the course of like two weeks or something like that that would be seen as being kind of quite scandalous whereas i don't know i mean again i left when i was like in my early 20s so in your early 20s you kind of do what you want right <laughs> but <exactly. laughs> um, <laughs> probably a little different now that we're a smidge and older town but um (laughs) just a smidge um but yeah it just the the way that it it all kind of works and you know all the unspoken kind of cultural rules are just very different um so yeah it took a little adjusting too i remember hearing a story not too long ago they were talking about uh, i think it was world war ii when a lot of the american soldiers were over in england and um the situation I don't, I don't know if this is still true, but apparently, like, you know, in America, typically, it's changing now, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But typically at that time, men were the instigators of you yeah. know, r- relationships and so forth. And mm-hmm. apparently mm-hmm. during that time in the war, I guess it was different in England. Men were more passive and the women were more um, the ones who instigated things. Yeah. Is, is it still kind of like think, that? Um, I, I, think, I think when we're talking kind of about you know, kind of the kind of World War One and World War Two era, the women had to be more aggressive because there were so few men around. Because so, oh, hi, puppy. He had to make an appearance oh. of some sort. The mailman's here, apparently. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just wanted to say hello to me. Hi, puppy. He was sitting on my lap when we started. So. <laughs> oh. Um, I see pictures. It was very cute. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so in, yeah, in in World War and World War Two, from what I understand over here, there was so like all the men were kind of were out in war, and our population is is so small in comparison to the United States um, that you know so many of the men were gone. So there just were so few men that I think the women were kind of had to get a bit aggressive <laughs> mm-hmm. um, if if they wanted to uh, secure something. Right. Um, I would say I would say now. I mean, it it would be fully. I think, yeah. If it, over here, like, if if a girl walks up to a guy or a guy walks up to a girl and said, "Hey, how you doing?" Um, it would it wouldn't be seen as weird either way. It would, but generally, I think guys generally tend to instigate more. That's probably a lot of um, not just the change in times too. Probably a lot of modernization. You know, like oh yeah, because, because of everybody kind of being more. You know, our culture is more uh, spread across the world or more global than mm. than it was back then. You know, things were more localized and individualized cultures. Now, because we have exposure to movies and all of these things, mm-hmm. those ideals seem to change. You know, it, it's the South is closer to California than it was 40 years ago. And Oh, yeah. Because we're, we're exposed to those ideas, so those ideas kind of spread. So that probably has something to do mm-hmm. with it, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I also think, I think it's quite interesting. I think um, the impact of like online dating on culture mm, has had, about that. 
Oh, yeah. So I've got a friend of mine who's a psychosexual analyst. Whoa. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. She's amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sitting down and having coffee with her is just phenomenal. Oh, um, she obviously she Well, she, she obviously can't talk about her clients, but she can. Like, she will um, analyze relationships of, like, you know, the characters on TV or something. She's trying to break something <laughs> down for me, um, which is amazing. So can I just say, Ross and Rachel always were doomed. <laughs> That's the first place my head went to. I was like, I yep. bet you can talk about friends. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, according to her, they were always going to be fucked. So, um, there you go. I agree with her. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of problems going on there. But, um, she, she is very kind of aware, um, of the, the impact that online dating has had on the dating world. And I have to say, like, I've, I've had conversations recently where I was speaking to people and they said it's actually creepy if you were to go up to someone in real life and say, hey, how are you doing? Rather than finding them on an app, which to me is just really sad. That's depressing. <laughs> yeah, it's really depressing, isn't it? Um, it's like the exact reversal of how it was for us. Like for a long time, con- yeah. contacting someone online without knowing them in was, person. What was, was the creepy thing? thing? Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, you yeah, found yeah. me. That's gross. Yeah, it and I mean I try to explain to I've got a I've got an amazing um elderly lady who lives downstairs from me who she's she's phenomenal. She's got to be like 100 years old. Like she's not actually 100, but she's she's getting there. Um she's had cancer five times and beat it. She's an wow. Olympic athlete. She thought someone was breaking into the house when she'd had an operation the day before and went up a flight of stairs to try and attack the intruder. Like <laughs> She's incredible. I found her at the top of the stairs and I was like, what are you doing? And she was just like, I thought I heard an intruder. I'm like, Ola, you're nine million years old. You just had an operation. Put down the extension cord. What were you going to do with it? And go back to bed, Who's woman. making a handmade garage? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, so the woman is blatantly a total badass, right? She's amazing. Um, and I, and she, bless her cotton socks, she does look out for me a lot. And I explained to her that I was going on a date and she was like, where did you meet her? I said, well, I was going on an online date. And she absolutely panicked. And I was just like, oh, no, no, it's like an online dating agency, you know, because I just, she didn't understand that nowadays, if you go and meet someone online, they're not a serial killer. Um, right. <laughs> they might just be a nice, normal human being. <laughs> Or technically, maybe at least over here, still serial killers. Well, well, they, they could still. Well, hey, we've got some over here as well. But um, <laughs> I mean, they could still be a serial killer. But you know, you have also got a chance of being a nice, normal human being as well. So um, when you say when you say the online dating agency, these are people that are vetted. Um, oh no, no, no! That's what I was. That's how I was trying to explain it to her so that she didn't panic mm. because because uh, she she's still not kind of terribly au fait with the internet, um. which is understandable. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fine. <laughs> she probably lived like ninety percent of her life without it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So she probably has cute. it right. The more that we use it, the more I start thinking that maybe they were right about it. After all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's uh yeah. She's definitely got some stories to tell. But I do think that the internet does. You know, it has its bonuses as well. I mean, obviously, like anything, it's got good and bad in it. But yeah, we're talking through it right now. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't exactly. have a podcast without it. No, no, and it's and it's also you know it's enabled us to keep in touch, which has been really nice. So um, yeah, it's got some. It's good nice we get to on. sit down and have this chat because we didn't really get to talk at the wedding at all. I know, I know. It was just it was so many people to catch up with, and I was in town for for such a short amount of time. But it was it was really nice to see you. 
<laughs> I think I got maybe every person there I got like four minute conversation with. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> there's so many people. Yeah, and it's not always the way with weddings as well. If you're if you're at a wedding, you see a load of people, but you you know you kind of get a couple minutes with each of them. But at least you get a couple minutes with each of them, which is That's nice. True. And a, you know, and a very special day as well. Most importantly, do you want to explain to people what you do for a living? Because I think they'll be fascinated by that. <laughs> um, well, controversial uh, on your show because I've uh, I've listened to a couple of episodes when you. <laughs> Had a few things to say, Chad. I um, have, I have, I have a big mouth. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so I work in social media. Dun dun dun. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Everybody's going what? <laughs> Chad has a friend who's a social media manager. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the question is, do you like it for yourself? <laughs> <laughs> so I do actually, um, but I enjoy it. Because it enables me to keep in touch with a lot of my friends back in the States, which is really lovely. Um, and, you know, life is just, it's so busy. I don't always have the chance to sit down and, you know, have a long phone conversation with everyone that I want to keep in touch with. And you can right. kind of keep in touch with at least a surface level of like, you know, I can see like my friends have got kids and I can kind of see what they're up to a little bit. And I'm like, oh, their kid's cute and their kid looks like they're, you know, six years old now and, you know, whatever. Like, it's just, it, so that it means that when I do, you know, kind of see you guys, it's not like there's been nothing, right? You know, no information whatsoever. Um, you know, you kind of have at least a a surface level idea of some things that are going on. Um, and, that's, and that's one of the positive benefits of actual yeah. social media. To be honest with everyone, being able to keep yeah. in touch with people you wouldn't, you know, like people across town, you shouldn't have to do that. But with people yeah. across the world, it's kind of a different yeah. story. Yeah, it is. And and life's, you know, life's really busy. So it's nice to, you know, it's 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 not that, you know, I care any less or anyone else cares any less. It's just it's it's busy. You can't have a regular chat with everyone all the time um in our ever expanding lives and worlds. So it's nice just to kind of be able to keep an eye on on what's going on and, and keep that bond going as well because it's really important. You know, I think back to, you know, everyone that I know in the in the Campbell coffee crew, <laughs> um, with, you know, with so much affection. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I obviously don't get a chance to see you guys very much anymore, but you know, it's still there. And whenever I see you guys, it's just so awesome. Cause we have a proper good catch up. Um, and it's lush. It's wonderful. So it's really nice. I like it for that. Um, I also like it. Um, I've got a really strict rule on social media, which is I only follow accounts that make me feel better about myself and better about the world. That's a good rule. So, um, which means sadly, you know, it's less kind of newsy ones, um, but it's everything and all super positive people and people that are um, inspirational, but not aspirational. Mm. Yeah, see, I think we get into this cycle of somewhere along the line, somebody convinced us all like, oh, we have to be informed. That's what makes us good people is being yeah. informed. Mm-hmm. But then the more they look into it, the more you, it seems like the more you're informed, the worse person you are because it makes you angry. It it does. It does make you really anxious. And I think that um, it's just, it's a lot of stress and pressure, isn't it? And it's very important. You know, it's, it's a good thing to understand and know what's going on in the world around you. But uh, at the same time, it's a lot of, pressure and that's a lot of stress and it i just i i guess i see the 
the side of it that yeah just causes a you know and it can be things there are things that are going to affect you and then there's going to be a lot of things that don't affect you as well and it's good to have an idea of what's going on in the world but not let it overpower your day as well if you're waking up every single day with all that stress and pressure it's just right. like okay that's that's a lot that's going on um i would say that in the uk people are um they they care about politics, but it's it's much less than what it is in the states. Yeah, especially right now, it seems like that is the most important thing right now. Yeah, I mean the, the Brexit thing that's going on. Like, this is the first time that any of my friends, like that, I've actually had a conversation with most of my friends about politics since I've lived over here. Um, like like a serious kind of chat, just right. because it doesn't it doesn't come up as much. Like, there's a lot of my friends that I don't know what their political stance is. Like, I don't know if they're conservative or I don't know if they're liberal or I I have a guess because you know we're all echo chamber kind of type people, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, we we've never sat down and had that conversation. Whereas I can say exactly like I know the views of all my American friends. See, I think that that's healthier. Is you know like. That it's not this front and center thing. Like you must know that I am all about guns, or you must mm. know that I am all about Brexit, or you must know that I am all about um, whatever their pet issue is. Mm. I mean, it's it's good to know those things about people, but it it seems like at least over here, that's what we're putting forward first. Like I am this, and then you don't actually take the time to get to know the person. Mm. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about yeah. politics ever when you lived over here. Ever, no. It's just it um yeah, and it's it's kind of a shame because I think that sometimes that can exclude. But I think that I mean people can exclude themselves based on their personality, or they can exclude themselves based on their political. But you know, there's a lot of different <laughs> reasons why people can exclude themselves. Usually, um, those go hand in hand. Always, <laughs> they are sometimes linked, but they're not always linked. Right. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's it's just it's quite interesting. I I think that actually over here I probably have um more of a range it like the there's more of a political range in my friends than so i know that some of them i know some people that i'm friends with are tories which is a bit like um you know a republican but i mean they're not a donald trump fan but they are you know they're more conservative in their political views um but it doesn't ever come up we just go and we sit and we have a beer or drink or we go to the park or do whatever and yeah so over here Generally, like a conservative person is more religious. Um, mm. These are generalizations, um, yes, it's, of course. Yeah. Is it the same it's, over it's, there? No. Mm-mm. It's it's far more uh, mellow, I guess. It's it's just we, we we lack the extreme. Are they more aligned with like um, imperial as opposed to parliamentary? Is that is that like the differentiate? You know, like over here, it's about state rights and federal. It's essentially yeah one of the main issues. What's what's the difference between, you know, obviously generalization. It 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 mainly comes down to, from what I can understand, it mainly comes down to the tax differences. It's mm. all about money in the end of the day, isn't it? Really, um, and it just it it comes down to it's more of that, and I don't know the politicians are, you know, they'll say one thing and do another. So I just, <laughs> and over here, <laughs> it, you just kind of go with the flow a bit more. You're just like, well, you know, yeah, that one sounds like he's saying the right thing, but he'll get into office and do something different. And they'll all do that. So, you do know, people you tend kind of to, bumble along. 
to tend to sway on their votes more. You know, like over here, pretty much if you're a Republican, you're always going to vote Republican. You're a Democrat, mm. you're always going to vote Democrat. Do people sway between parties over there more, at least with prime ministers? Uh Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would say that they do. I don't know. I'm not sure. I again, like, I don't know. I don't know who. I don't know who any of my friends have voted for. Mm, yeah, that's true. And I, I know that makes me sound terribly ill-informed, and that like, and I'm very aware right now of the cultural differences between America. And I'm not. I'm not saying that that's every single British person has the same political. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of British people that would listen to this and be like, "What is going on with this woman?" <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't. I don't think that that's but, always been in the American way, though. I don't think we've always been like that. I think it's a very last couple decades thing. Mm. You know, but I, I also think that I, some of the things that have happened politically in America in the last couple decades, as well, are things that really. I mean, how can you not get emotional and caught up in it? Oh yeah, because yeah, you know. this and that's kind of you know, like if you've listened to a couple of the episodes where I did complain about social media, that's. You know, you're seeing that exact that polarization is coming from these. Mm. You know, you used the term echo chamber earlier, but then there's also mm. these. We're communicating in such short little things. Mm-hmm. There's no nuance, no context. So things are no. pushing further and further. So people are getting more emotional. But before those things existed, things would get heated. But then they had a they had time to cool down. Mm-hmm. And we don't have cool down anymore. That's one of the problems. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's and it's all just escalating and adding on top one on top of the other. And also, I think that we're finding, you know, that you're seeing kind of huge differences in that. Whereas in the UK, like I, you will find, you know, there there are some differences. You know, if if we have someone more conservative get in, then they're probably going to cut the funding to the libraries and things like that, which is incredibly sad. Right. But it's not. But but that's that's kind of that's what you're hearing about as as the changes it's not as vast as like when donald trump got into america the changes that we're seeing right. from that um so i i just think it's a little bit more level and again a lot of people might disagree with me but it does it doesn't seem to have it's not quite as impactful i would right. say we have continual every every day there's something new that people are fighting about over here but it seems like at least from an american perspective your biggest issue is just the Brexit thing. You're not oscillating between like 20 different huge issues like we are. No, 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 no. It's, it's, and, and right now it is just about Brexit, but the Brexit thing is just turning into more and more and more of a nightmare as it goes on. And it's, um, which is, which is why people are getting more and more politically involved. We're, we're now starting, you know, there's lots of marches going on, which this is the first time I, you know, there's been marches since I've, lived you know for 14 years there's been nothing and then in the last year there's been several where you get millions of people that are all kind of you know and people are shipping in from all over great britain you know they're taking buses down from scotland and they're taking buses down from all over to come down to london to take part in these marches because of how they feel about brexit and the only other one that i've seen that reaction for was when trump was coming and people took to the streets because they said they didn't want him to come wow What's the legality on 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 a free assembly in England? I know that over here, you know, like we can assemble wherever we want. Are there different rules over there? Um, I don't know what the rules are. I think when you've got a couple million people, they just kind of do it. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, doesn't think, it? You know, you're just like, well, there's six million of you. So 
<laughs> maybe, maybe we won't, you know, oh, it's not quite those numbers, but I, well, I don't know. It was a couple million, but like you, you're not going to, it's, it's kind of hard to stop it at that point, isn't it? Mm. Um, but I, I, I haven't heard of any laws, but I don't know what they are. Have you, in the time that you've been there, have you noticed a difference in, in the press? Because I know that the press rules there are different. You don't have the same freedom of press mm. that we have. Have you noticed a difference as an American moving over there? Um, yeah, I would say it actually feels, I feel like we hear more over here. Really? Mm. But I feel like, um, and, and you will have, you know, we have certain news outlets that are definitely more liberal and then more some that are more conservative. Um, but I do, but also we, we hear a lot more about world news over here um, than, than we ever did in the States. Like, I don't know what it's like now, but most of my news feed now is about kind of things that are going on in the world and Britain. Are, are the news agencies allowed to talk about whatever they want there? Or are there certain topics that they are legally not allowed to talk about? Because I know like in Canada, ongoing crimes they can't talk about. It's against law. So, yeah, you will, you will have certain things. So if, if, there's a, um, if there's a case going on, then, you know, they won't be allowed to reveal certain things. And there, there are injunctions as well. You know, someone will say, so like, for example, there was a rumor went around the other day that um, David Beckham had had a baby with his, with Harper's teacher, got mm. her pregnant. Because um, the Beckhams are kind of fairly well-known in the States now, aren't they? A little bit? Yeah. It's not really. I heard that they came over. Yeah, I think they're in LA, I think. Yeah. So, so David Beckham... Yeah, 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 he was. So, yeah, David Beckham, football player, his wife was one of, is, is one of the Spice Girls. Was one of the Spice Girls? I don't know if they're still together. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, um, but the Beckhams are definitely still together. And, yeah, rumor went around that he'd uh, impregnated um, his daughter's teacher. So, um, and then, and there was a lot, we heard a lot of rumors about that from kind of various sources. And then it didn't go into the press. Um and, you know, so we don't know if that was because they put an injunction in place, if that was, you know, who knows why that was, that that didn't go out. But so it when you say various sources, where, where, what are those sources that are different than the press? You mean like uh, social media or? Social media and also um, friends who know friends. That's an interesting, that's an interesting idea, like to be able to, and, you know, just like, hey, this is silent. It, mm. I know that like we make a big deal over here about how big the freedom of the press is and I'm not going to say anything against it. But mm. at the same time, it does seem like sometimes you're like, well, maybe if we didn't hear about this court case every day in the news before it was decided, things would be a little more fair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So are you familiar with um, the podcast, The Teacher's Pet? Mm-mm, no. Oh, it's a good in. It's a good in. So it's done by the Australian, which is, and it's it's uh, done by an Australian journalist, and it's um, kind of funded by uh, the Australian. The, the I think it's a newspaper. It's some sort of news um, or kind of broadcasting agency out in Australia. And basically, this this poor woman who uh, was married to this man um, and had two small children, and all of a sudden she went missing. 
Um, and there's a lot of speculation as to whether he killed her or not. And so this journalist went and did a series um, about it and kind of spoke to everyone and try and kind of then was uncovering a lot of evidence and a lot of other things came out about, you know, the fact that he'd met her, you know, he'd met a, this. So basically the husband um, had a girlfriend and a wife and the girlfriend was one of the teacher was one of the sorry not the the girlfriend oh, chad edit out my little, 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 please i'm gonna use english in just a second so, um <laughs> well now now you now you were just cute so i have to leave it in <laughs> no absolutely not so um the, the the husband was a teacher at a high school and then started dating one of the students. And apparently that was quite a big thing that was going on. A lot of the teachers were doing that. And it kind of uncovered it all. And it's been this big thing. Well, now the husband of the woman that's gone missing is now being prosecuted for her murder because they believe that he killed her. So the 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 podcast, The Teacher's Pet, they made it, they put up a, an episode the other day because they kind of stopped back in December when um, when the guy had been arrested and they put up an episode today saying, we're now going to take it down in all of Australia because it's not fair because if they're going to try and have a jury, everyone's listening, everyone is listening to this podcast yeah, that's and it's terrifying. not fair because this is, this is, you know, they're finding out stuff that wouldn't be admissible in court. Um, oh, but it yeah. is most certainly admissible on a podcast. Right. Yeah, like you're saying, and stuff for, like that. Yeah. And for, for journalism, it's fine. But if you, but then if you're influencing the opinion of everyone, so they've taken it down. Yeah, we definitely have that problem over here a lot. Where um, not even a criminal case, but uh, for example, I was just this morning listening to a podcast. There's this great podcast I discovered called "You Were Wrong About" or "You Were Wrong About" or "We Were Wrong About." One of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's these two journalists, and what they do is they take something typically from the 80s or 90s, so that's far enough that people kind of have a general idea about it yeah and they research it and they go here's everything that you thought was true was wrong and today you might remember this i think you were over here at the time well you definitely were it was the 90s um the whole ebonics thing where Mm. um, Mm -hmm. there was this whole controversy like oh they're going to teach improper english in schools so they went through this whole thing and they're like i remember that that was just completely blown out by the media that's not even what happened yeah what what it was supposed to be was it was supposed to be these kids are already speaking this. We're going to use this to teach them quote unquote proper English. So it was it was a way to teach them proper English. It's like this is the way they're speaking. He said he be he be early. Okay, that's how mm-hmm. they already say it. We're going to teach them at home. You say he be early. Here we say mm-hmm. he's always early. Yeah. And but that's that that kind of idea of like if that hadn't. If if we hadn't had all of these, you know, obviously I don't want to put forth the idea to anybody right now that I'm saying we should get rid of freedom of press. I'm just saying sometimes it sucks. No. Um, if it hadn't been blown out like that, who knows what would have happened? You know, maybe these people would have got a better education because people would have actually heard what was being put forth instead of this basically fabrication. That was yeah, and across. if it's... Mm. I, yeah, I do, I do think that there is definitely there's a moral responsibility with with press and w- with influence in general, um, which is something that again kind of links back to to what I to what I do for a job. So um, I do social media accounts for 
um, I work for a production company and we have um, projects and then uh, we have well-known talent that work on the projects and I run the social media accounts for the projects, if that makes any sense. So like we have a podcast and I'll do the podcast social media, but then I've also, I've got kind of talent or kind of well-known people that are on the show and that we're working with and blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's, these are people that people look up to. And so you have to just be really careful when you're doing that, what you're relaying, you know, how do you talk about drug use? Mm, You know, you and I can chit chat and be like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. It's fine. You know, this is how we feel about it, whatever. But then you think, well, what if a 14 year old kid listens to it? Or what if, you know, where do you, you know, it's one thing and it's it's and that's an interesting thing about podcasts is you and I right now are having chat and I'm like, oh I'm having chat to Chad. Chad knows my joke and if I make a joke that is could be inappropriate, you know me well enough to know how I mean that and I know you well enough to know that you get that. Right. But when you have people that don't know us and don't understand, they don't know how we mean that joke. And so you just, you just have to be very cautious <laughs> about how things and, and it's it's not it's not even that people could like purposely misinterpret or that accidentally misinterpret it's just you don't know you know it's people that don't know you and haven't hung out with you for years having coffee <laughs> right there's actually a um there's a, a researcher named john ronson he's written several books mm. um and one of them was so you've been publicly shamed this is something i've brought up on oh this yeah yeah topic before but there was a, a lady mm-hmm. who who made a a pretty bad joke in text message. I mean, in text message on Twitter. And uh-huh. I, I, it basically it was, it was a, a joke about uh, AIDS in Africa and Ooh. it was only supposed to go to the people that she knew. So it'd be a situation yeah. like what we're talking about, but hmm. it got shared across the world. So it became a public thing. And yeah. And that's, that's something that I think is really, really a big thing about social media that bothers me sometimes is um, you have to be careful, like you're saying, because uh, there is no context anymore because we don't have that context. It's just, mm-hmm. and that nuance is gone because nuance comes from context. You know, like you and I, the, the rules of what's polite and what's not polite are different because we yeah. know each other. There's flexibility where mm. it's like, I know she's joking. I don't have to take her 100% word for word, exactly what she's saying. is like, that's sarcasm. But mm. if you don't know that somebody's being sarcastic, you're stuck within that box of what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. dangerous, I think, in, in the long run for public discourse. Mm, I, I just, I, I don't know if it's dangerous. I think that maybe the way that we view social media could probably do with some alterations um, and how we seriously don't we I I think we take it too seriously and I think it's it's very addictive it's built that way to be very addictive and Mm -hmm. so therefore we get very sucked into it you know just like our our iPhones are kind of built to be a bit addictive aren't they you know um and I think that it's kind of taking that step back from it and then just kind of taking a breath and being like oh okay you know just like just like if you were at a party and your friend was a bit drunk and they were a bit of a dick and you're just like, oh, you're kind of being a bit of a pain in the ass right now. Like you sometimes you just got to be like, oh, but you know, I love you. And I know you're just a bit of a drunken twat sometimes. So that's fine. Oh, that's another one. Twat. There you go. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Over there. Twat's very, <laughs> very soft word. Over here, a little harder of a word. You wouldn't call oh, anybody that here. Oh, yeah. Oh. oh it's up there okay. with the C word. 
oh, is it? Oh, oh, well, apologies, everyone that I've offended. I assure <laughs> you that I've been in the UK for 14 years. It's you would just call everyone a twat over here. It's, it's well, even the c successful. word over there is a little softer too, right? Uh, yeah, it's it wouldn't be. I think that probably the f word is probably the most offensive thing that you could say. Oh wow! And over here, it's like nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just uh, <laughs> general, but yeah, you would. I mean, you would call your friends. I, I'm now. I'm now worried that I'm uh, going to offend someone. So the oh, don't worry. If they've, uh, if, they've, if they've stuck around with this podcast this long, that I don't think they can be offended. Yeah, anymore. I'm sorry if you're offended by my my British um, sayings. Then go away. Yeah, um, tough shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you would you would use it quite as a quite a friendly. You you would say it to your friends. You'd be like, "Oh, don't be such a twat," or "Oh, something you know." It's it's, it's quite jovial. It's a bit like calling someone a shithead. Like it's just quite light. <laughs> yeah, over here, not so much. It's funny though. It's I mean, it's not yeah. like super super offensive, but like yeah, you you probably wouldn't throw it out. Uh, you definitely wouldn't throw it out at a woman over here. Um, oh, okay. Oh no, you you could you could over and you could over here. Still, it's, oh. it's non it's non-sexually relative over there, right? It's male or female, right? Uh no, it is it's you would probably you would use it more for a male than you would for a female. Mm. But so but you like could calling use somebody it. a little bitch or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It would it would it does have a certain connotation, but it's not specific. I it's guess. Not meant to burn. No, no, no. Um but there you go. So where was I? I was ranting about something. I can't remember what. Where are we up to? <laughs> Public discourse, I think we we're talking about. Ah, uh, yes, um, that's right. It's. A, I mean, I, I think that there's. Um, do you see the movie uh, Ready Player One, or read no. the book? No, nope. no. Uh, first of all, I really enjoyed the movie. That's going to be a controversial. That'll probably be the most controversial statement that I made in the podcast. <laughs> Anytime you talk about a movie, fifty percent of the people you say I like it, and then there's like a hundred people lined up to shit on it. Mm. But uh, of that's, course, that's of course. just life. Um, yeah. But there's the how can I tell this without spoilers? Because it is it is relatively <laughs> a fairly recent movie. Yeah. The essential so that it's about uh, virtual reality, and mm-hmm. without telling how it happens, the essential message of the movie is that sometimes you have to step outside of the virtual reality and live in the real world. It's okay mm-hmm. to dip into the virtual reality. Yep. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to be a giant robot that smashes things. But you mm-hmm. still have to go to dinner with your girlfriend in the real world. You still yep. have to sit around and watch TV with each other. Or maybe that's a bad mm-hmm. example. Sit around and talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I, th- I think that's kind of like what we need with social media. Instead of dipping into our phones all the time, you know, like we need like... I only uh, check in on Mondays and Thursdays or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And the rest of the time I'm real. And it, yeah, it's, so it's, it's no longer kind of a time filler. It's now just something, you know, and now like Instagram's launched this thing where it will actually tell you how much time you've used on the app. So you can kind of keep track of it. And I know that in the UK, in the UK and I'm assuming it's the same in the US, you get on every Sunday, you get a little text message from or a little notification pop up on your phone from Apple being like, This week you've used this much screen time mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. I love that. I think that's great. Yeah, no, no, I think it's great. I mean, being that I work in social media, if mine pops up and it's like you're down, I'm like, Oh, I've not worked very hard this week. <laughs> <laughs> a completely different circumstance in that case, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like um, with, when it does it for my iPad because I'll read books and listen to podcasts on my iPad. I don't put mm-hmm. that stuff on my phone. 
Yeah. I'll, I'll get the report from the iPad and it's like, you spent eight hours a day on your iPad. I'm like, but that's actually a good thing. I was educating my like, mind. This is great. Yeah. This is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it's just how you interpret the data, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. It is good. Right. So other topics. I thought an interesting one might be, because um, I think they, they've kind of come over to the States recently, haven't they? Like British crime dramas? Have they a come over? Bit. Probably a little bit a little more bit. for me than because I like watching crime shows. But I've been watching some mm. older ones. Which ones are you thinking of? Um, so have you had uh, like Vera or Luther come over? Luther for sure. I love yeah. love that show. Luther is amazing. Oh, and Sherlock as well. Of course, yeah. Have you had Another fantastic ones? show, especially that last yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, um, they're really phenomenal. I have to say that is one thing that the English do very, very well is a good crime drama. It's awesome. Even their kind of more classic ones. You know, if you're even looking, looking back at like Poirot or something like that, they're just wonderful pieces of uh, right. television. Or Cracker. Did you ever Cra- see I've not seen Cracker. That's um, I can't remember the guy's name right now. It's the guy who plays Hagrid in Harry Potter. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. Robbie the, I know the guy. I don't know. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's him. That's a fantastic oh. show. Um, brilliant. Add it to my list. Yeah, I think that part of that too is some of those have come over um, because of streaming. You know, mm. the, the the access to those because of you know like Netflix and Hulu and things like that. Like I'm trying to think of. Where I watched, I think I watched Luther on Netflix mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, Paranoia, which was a one season one with, I can't remember the name of the actress, another great one. But I'm a, I'm a true crime, I mean, not true crime, I'm a crime show and true crime junkie. I love watching yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm exactly the same. Absolutely love it. They're, uh, yeah, they're really wonderful and really fun. So that's, that's cool. They've made those over to the States. That's really nice. That's good because they're very entertaining. I was going to say, has if you if you've not watched uh, Broadchurch, that's oh my very god, good one. that one's yeah. David Tennant, come on, that's you yeah. can't miss that oh, one. It's phenomenal. It's so, required watching. That show is just heartbreaking. Oh yeah, it, every so, season. Fun fact: I know the guy that edited that whole show. No kidding. He's a really good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. Is and he I working on who told, though? Uh, no, he's not. He's doing uh, a different project at the moment, but um, he, uh, yeah, he. I remember when he told me about it like years ago. Now he was just like, "Yeah, so I've started working on the show." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> I, I remember it when, it, Broadchurch. when it was announced that uh, who the new showrunner for Doctor Who was going to be and who the new Doctor mm-hmm. was going to be, because it was super exciting for me because I'd watched Broadchurch, which for anybody yeah. that doesn't know, same showrunner and the woman playing. Doctor Who now was one of the lead actors on Broadchurch. Yeah. And she's she's just one. Yeah. She's amazing. She's a great, great British actress. Yeah. That was fun. I don't know. I thought that might be something kind of fun and topical to talk about. (laughs) We get that's one of the things that's nice about this is we get exposure to those things in. Because Mm. I, I think one of the things too that's really fascinating about British television in general is the approach is different. And I think it, it, streaming has taken a lot of cues from British television in shorter seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, over here, especially like when you were still over here, most shows went from August, all or end of August or September, all the way till the end of spring. Oh yeah, and, no, they were just they just felt constant, didn't they? They just felt like they were always on. It didn't feel like there was any kind of a gap or a lull. Yeah, and that's why they kind of. 
they weren't as powerful because, you know, they had to fill these episodes, you know, so you had, mm-hmm. like a, I don't know how many episodes that ends up being. I think it's about 30 something episodes. But mm-hmm. then for anybody watching who hasn't seen Luther, it's four or three episodes a season. Yeah. It's, and then, it leaves you wanting more. <laughs> and it's like two years between seasons sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. Idris Elba is busy making movies and being amazing. Yeah. So he's been put forward to be the next James Bond, hasn't he? I think he should be. It's about mm. time James Bond was black. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's great. And when you see him in Luther as well, you're just like, well, he could totally do. <laughs> he oh, yeah. already he's is James Bond. He's wonderful. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. suave. Yeah. He's sexy. He can kick ass. What else do you need? Yeah. He's great. He's wonderful. And if so, yeah, they have a I female Doctor be... Who, they should have a black James Bond. Yeah. Exactly. It's about time. It'll be. I, I'm excited about it already. It's great. It would be fascinating to see a, a female James Bond. Obviously, the first name would change, but... Yeah. Because yeah, you could... so much of that character is based on misogyny. It would be a nice flip. Mm. It would be a really fun flip, wouldn't it? And, and I'm sure they could do all kinds of creative things as well, you know, kind of around the storyline and changing it up and how they work. You know, is she a lesbian? If she, you know... Right, da-da-da. that's what I was There's just lots of fun too. things. Yeah. I'm like, what if they didn't change her and her name was James and she was a lesbian? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, <gasps> be amazing. Or the keepers of billboards on Spotify, and I love that. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And this is when I started to understand what all of this connection, what the, what the value of all of this was. It's the same thing as thrift store culture. It's the idea of creating your own universe. You know, you're not you're not picking up records because other people have recommended them. You're picking it up completely independent of anyone else, and you're discovering something that's at that moment wholly and uniquely your own. You can't share it with anyone yet because nobody knows what it is. You can share the experience with them, but sometimes they won't get it right, like with my broken. Disco R&B music on that CD. It's it's creating, in a sense, creating a counterculture. And I was always obsessed with counterculture, in particular with the beats. Because Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg and William Burroughs, they were some of the first writing that I discovered that was uniquely my own. And whenever I used to, when I was younger, whenever I felt like a place where I didn't know, you know, like I... Sometimes life can be like a road. You're driving down a road and you get to the end and you're like, oh, this just empties into a field. I'm not getting anywhere on this road. I got to go back to where I started. Whenever I would get to a place like that, I would go back and I would read the beat reader. And the beat reader is essentially, it's just an anthology of different writing from writers from the beat generation. Or I would go back and read on the road again. Kerouac's novel. So counterculture was always tied into my identity as well. And that fit in here. And then I was like, oh, and that's how poetry connected because I was so obsessed with poetry for so many years. Like my only writing that I used to do was poetry. And that's because of the beats. Like they were the first language that I was given. Even before like I I developed my own taste in music, they were my first language. And that's why I would love, I'd loved City Light books up in the city. Because you would go in there and it would be like books of poetry, books about Marxism, books about comparative religions. 
books you wouldn't see in an, in any other bookstore. In a way, too, this you know the thrift stores and all this it connects to garage sales. Going to garage sales and finding something, you're like, that's awesome. You couldn't find it anywhere else because whatever it was wasn't mass produced. But there's this thing and you take it and you're like, that's mine now. Sweet. So I'm, I start to come to this realization that all this stuff is connected. And I start to realize that, that what I was doing originally, in some ways with random badassery, was trying to exercise some of my interest in creativity. That's what I originally did. and But then it just didn't, it wasn't a rich enough field to stick with that alone for me. And then Lamb wasn't able to do it anymore. So it just wasn't, it just didn't work out. So I kind of, in a way, just decided like I'm not, the arts and stuff like that, that's just not my topic. And so I focused on the other things that I've been interested in true crime, whatever, you know, like whatever this is developing into now, which I think is just an introduction to the elephant in reality. But in in going through all this and realizing how much all of this means to me, I realized how much I was missing and all of the things that I've been doing. Not that anything, I I want to change anything I was doing, but now I had created this forum. You you might remember me saying in, in a previous episode, that I needed to make this show into something that could change shape in a way that that would work as a container to catch all the things that I needed to catch. Well, now I'm suddenly realizing that I have this thing that can catch all of these. It can catch all the things I needed to catch. Yet here are these things that, that I'd forgotten about that are so important and so a part of the DNA of who I am that I need to remember to, to bring that in. Even like the, the weird stuff that like, I don't even know how I would begin to work that into, into stuff, into content. I hate, I hate using that word in this context, but it's appropriate. So the question I have written on the page at this point is, how do I combine all this stuff? I mean, even just from a logistic point, even if I was just going to share all these cool things that I remember. There's not one medium that can do it, right? YouTube, well, you can only do video, right? Well, not everything that you would want to share is able to be done on video. Uh, blog, no, blog, no. What if you want to share a video? Can't you? <laughs> you know, what if you want to share a photo? What if you want to share a song? Twitter. Instagram, podcasts, Patreon, none of it can catch it all. And a lot of this too is because of copyright and all that stuff that unfortunately gets in the way from from really enabling people to become true cultural curators. So what's some of the stuff that occurs to me too, when I especially like when I in particular when I think of these PBS shows from the 80s. There's like this mystery involved with it. Part of it is because I'm remembering things from before I remember things in a way. You know, like I don't have a lot of concrete memories, but I have these like fragments. So these things are interesting 
to me for all the reasons I mentioned here, but also because there's something, some sort of memory mystery that I feel like I need to unravel. And you know I love puzzles, right? Recently, I was listening to an episode of one of my favorite podcasts, Weird Studies, and they did an episode on Neil Gaiman's uh, fantastical comedy, and uh, I can't remember the official title, but it's Mr. Punch. And the book is it's about fragmented memory. And listening to the episode... I remembered why I fell in love with Proust. You know, I finally got Lamb onto the Proust bandwagon where he read it, and he was like, oh, this is good. But nobody else, I could never get anybody else to read Proust. But Proust was was extraordinary because Proust was an exploration of the mystery that memory is. That there are things that we remember that, 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 that make us feel good, even if they're just a fragment. Like, whoa, why did that... You know, why does that tree make me feel the way it does? What is it connecting to? In the way that all of these things were connecting in my subconscious. You know, this also relates to what I said previously about walks. And how when you walk without headphones, you start to connect things. Your subconscious starts to make ties. You know, that door looks a lot like that door of that house that you barely remember from when you were like six. And then that becomes the mystery too. What was that house? Why do I remember that door? Why do I remember these shows from PBS? Why do I remember late night talk radio when I don't think I ever listened to it? Why do I remember public access television, when I don't think I ever watched it. Why do I, why, why, am I, why am I holding on to these things as part of who I am? And that's an interesting mystery. You know, I, what, what I think it is, is what I've been craving is what I had before, prior to the internet. And this isn't an episode to, to I'm, I'm putting this out on the internet. I'm clearly not against the internet. But before the internet, I, as an only child who moved a lot when he was younger, I was forced to develop my own culture, a culture of one, because I never stuck around long enough to absorb the culture completely of where I was. Because remember, culture was localized especially for children. Culture was localized in the sense that what was going on at this school, the kids at this school were interested in, might not be happening at this school six blocks away. Because, the, I mean, then there were certain certain things, you know, like every kid knew what G.I. Joe was and certain things like that. We, knew, we all knew what Barbie was. But the games that you played with them and, you know, the what what cartoon was more popular or, you know, like whatever, whatever it was, I wasn't around to develop that fully. Every time we would move, I would, I would adapt to the next and then adapt to the next. So what I ended up doing over time was I would, there were certain things like that's valuable. I'm holding on to that. That one's valuable. I'm holding on to that. 
and it started to develop my own culture so that by the time I became a teenager, I had no context of popular culture. Obviously, I learned it, but I had no context of it because I had developed my own bubble. My books, my Marvel books, my movies, the movies I watched, my games, the video games that I chose to buy. They were all mine. Trivial pursuit cards that I used to sit and try to memorize. The Jeopardy board game that I would sit and try to memorize. These were me. This is what I would do in my room when I was by myself. Culture of one. And when the internet came around, I had access to all these resources. We all had access to these resources. So our culture, once again, it became homogenized. And I, just like everybody else, got interested. Not at first, I think, interested in internet culture. But then in time, that developed into just becoming part of mainstream culture. So there's a part of me that this, I think that one of the, the reason this snag was a part of me going, remember the counterculture. Remember your culture of one. Remember all of this. Remember this era. Remember what this felt like. Because this is the rich and fertile ground that you felt under your feet all this time, but forgot was there. This is your place. This is your home. This is where everything you create becomes uniquely your own because this is uniquely your own. I was having a conversation just before recording this text message conversation with one of my one of my best friends. And what he loves to do is he he loves to it's not really window shop, but it is window shopping just on the internet for guitars. He just likes to look at guitars. And he'll send me pictures and we'll always we'll text back and forth. I'll be like, I don't know about that headstock. That's a weird looking headstock. Well, what's up with that pick card? You know, like just go back and forth like why does that have a humbucker? That's weird. And in today's conversation, we're going back and forth, and we started to talk a little bit about, about guitar tone and guitar effects. And, you know, we were talking, for anybody that understands guitar stuff, I'll give you like <laughs> a brief understanding of what we're talking about. Everybody else, this is going to sound like Greek, but I'll do my best. Humbucker is a pickup that has two coils, two magnetic coils. It's thicker. It's about the, a little bit. It's about the size of a credit card. A single coil is half that. So some, sometimes they call them lipstick because it's, you know, it's just like that size. So my friend was looking at this guitar that had a humbucker, and he's like, "The knobs are supposed to be able to let you switch coils," which means that instead of using both of the coils in that credit card size thing at the same time, you could say, let me use just the top one or let me use just the bottom one. And you get minor tone differences, which can be a, apparently a pretty big deal. I've never been a personal fan of it. So we're going back and forth about that. Not arguing. We, we rarely argue. But I was just saying like, oh, I never, have you ever tried that? I've never tried it. I've never had interest in it. And I realized that when it comes to guitar, like I really don't, I'm not the person who's like, I got to find a fresh new tone for this song. I'm the person that's like, give me like three or four different settings that, 
that sound good if I play lead and they play sound good if I play rhythm and I'll just switch between those four. <laughs> like, give me just like the meat and meat and potatoes of that because I know myself and if I get wrapped up in all the complexities of that, I won't actually ever play. And that's why my favorite guitar player, I think, is Keith Richards because Keith Richards is like, he's like a meat and potatoes guitar player. You know, I have, I have the sensibility of Keith Richards, but I... I like a dirtier guitar than he does. So I like the sound of Neil Young and Sonic Youth. And then I realized as I was like formulating this in this conversation in my head as well, Keith Richards' simplicity, Sonic Youth and Neil Young tone, like, oh, that's, that's weird. You know, like, that's just totally me. And I realized that guitar was like this one area that remained like all this stuff that I've been talking about so far, that it were, I, the, the mainstream culture had not infected my, my tastes on the way that I like to play my guitar and the sounds that I like to get out of it, that that was still a culture of one. So I see so much here, you know, like I can see what this elephant, I have a good idea of what this elephant looks like. I just don't know what to do with it. And I think that is the next phase of the experiment. This grand experiment is to find out how I begin to explore these things more. I know part of it is to stop letting mainstream culture lead me as much as it does. I'm not cutting it all off, but you know, like, I don't need to know what new movies are out. I don't need to know what new TV shows are out. I need to follow. I need to follow where I am to the next thing. You know, where you you pick up an, a, a song, an album and there's a song on it and you're like, I love that song. And you open the liner notes and you're like, who wrote that song? And you find out it was a cover of another band that you never heard of. So the next album you check out is an album by that band with that song on it. You let the things feed you into the next thing. Or I should. Is what I'm saying. I need to watch more. I need to live more in the 80s and the 90s in my head. I need to. I need to to, to figure out what those what those fragments are too. Like explore the fragments. There's something rich and interesting there. You know, I had this idea years ago that that I only did one sketch of, but I had this sketchbook, and I had this idea that when I would remember things like images from the past that I would sketch them out. I might go back into that a little bit. The reason I stopped before is I'm not great at sketching from memory. I can sketch things in front of me, but like sketching from memory, I haven't developed that skill yet. But I can begin to explore these things more. That's the, the experiment. You know, like what happens if I dive into this? You know, how do I, how do I interconnect all of this stuff? I don't know. You know, what's, 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 do I, you know, like I know that certain things, like I might have to make a video, certain things I need to put up pictures and Instagram, I guess will have to serve. It's like this visual image or I could put on the blog. There's all these options, but none of it, none of those choices really matter because those are all just pieces of the elephant, right? I need to focus on the elephant. That's the message that this snag of revolution gave me 
focus on the elephant. Here you are, Mr. Elephant. Nice to meet you. I can kind of see you. What do you mean? I have one other thing on this piece of paper. And it connects to all of this, but it doesn't connect in a linear way. It's an adjacent point. But I have the word LIS, L-I-S-T-S, written on the paper and circled. Creating a list has always been something that I've loved. And I didn't realize until going through all of this today why. I think because a list is the true unit of culture. The thing that unites things is the list. It's the collection, the curation that creates culture. One black artist singing sad songs is one man singing sad songs. But when you pull together this person over here who did it, and this person over here who did it, and this person over here who did it, and you collect them together, you make a list, you make an anthology, you make a collection, all of a sudden you have something called the blues. It's culture. When you think about culture in the context of science, what is a culture? It's a place where you grow something, right? It's a place where you collect something. That the unit of culture is collection, curation, bliss. So there's definitely going to be a website. There's going to be a section on the website folder called lists. And I'm just going to start putting fucking lists in there. That's where I'm starting. And then I'm going to go back and keep digging back into that past. That's my part of the experiment. I'm very excited about this. So if you're excited too, I hope that you'll stick around, listen to more episodes. Uh, You'll share episodes to be really nice. And uh, if you want to dig into the back catalog a little bit, you should go back and check out episode 26, I Miss Robin Williams, because I referenced it multiple times in this episode. It's the episode where I talked about renewing my love of walking without headphones and about the initial conversations about music and and returning to vinyl that I had with David Cadavy. And of course, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you can become a patron by going over to patreon.com forward slash Chad Hall, where you'll get access to the experiment I'm doing now of daily episodes. I also have a new page on my website where you can see other ways that you can lend a hand, because that is not the only way to help out this podcast. So check out that link in the show notes, which will be titled, yes, you guessed it, as Lend a Hand. So thanks, thanks, thanks for listening. All right, that's enough for tonight. I'm getting the raspy voice, so it's time.